Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Good afternoon. It is the 2nd of December. This is the COB. I'm Nadine Blaney, and I am here with David Scott. Scotty, it was a Wednesday, your favorite day of the week, I think. I think. Well, it's one of my favorite days of the week. I'm you got not, four others? I've got plenty of others. <laughs> All right. Six others. <laughs> Six others. Okay, so talk to us about, well, let's just start with the big news of the day on the economic front, and that is GDP. So blowing market consensus out of the water, up by 3.3% in the quarter. You know, we have all those historical stats behind us, you know, how big this jump has been, how long it's been since we've seen this type of a jump in a quarterly read coming through. But the bottom line is, is that Australians are pretty cashed up. We've been doing our saving and we are proving willing to spend it. Yes, it was the the return of services spending and... uh, I was watching that very closely and to go and see what was going on with the household disposable uh, income ratio, the amount that's been saved as well. Uh, and I was very keen to see how those two interacted during the quarter. And we saw a massive snapback when it came to services spending. So that, of course, is the largest part of the Australian economy. And uh, the household savings ratio still remains, I think it's at 18.9% of, uh, of all disposable income that's been saved during the quarter. You look at what's going on in bank accounts at the moment. I know ADIs have got to know an additional, this is an additional, over $100 billion that has been saved by households uh, since the start of, uh, of February. Now, you put that together and you go, well, we've got lots of cash. We've still got lots of stimulus coming through the pipeline. And uh, we're going to have the opportunity to go and spend elsewhere because, of course, the economy is opening up and hopefully in time will be the international economy. And to me, it just uh, it says that we're going to have a big services consumption-led recovery next year unless we have some kind of you know, uh, issue, most likely to be uh, China, you've got to say, given what's going on at the moment. Uh, things are looking pretty good at the moment. Yeah, I suppose, you know, hate to be a Debbie Downer, but we still have to... Uh, you know, take into consideration some of the geopolitical tensions out there with China in particular. But if you look at the global backdrop as well, if we do get a vaccine, and uh, it looks pretty close to happening, and if we do get stable government in the United States with, I suppose, that geopolitical risk, if you want to call that, um, neutralized to a large extent, at least it will be a return to more normalcy. Uh, when it comes to policy in the United States, then, you know, even the global backdrop is looking like it could be much improved. Had a chat with Angus Geddes from Fat Profit talking about the strength we're seeing in Japan, relatively speaking. I mean, I guess the real worrying spot um, in terms of economic recovery, you know, would be Europe to a large degree. Yeah, but Europe's got its fiscal house in order. It'll get its package through eventually. Uh, the United States, you know, in time, we'll go and, uh, and get there. Uh, obviously, there's some near-term hurdles at the moment, but 
Just think, Dean, you remember back when Ausbiz launched? I wasn't here on the other uh, launch day, but how long ago was that? That was back in March, wasn't it? That was March the 29th. So you, you think about how long ago that feels and then try and extrapolate that the same length into the future. I reckon by about that time in the future, things were starting to get back to normal around the world. I'm not going to say it's going to be completely normal, but a lot of the things that we did pre-pandemic are going to be returning by that stage, I reckon. And that, to me, is a positive sign given what we're seeing elsewhere in the economy. There's lots of no stimulus. We saw you know, huge spending coming through in Black Friday sales in the United States despite everything that's going on there. So there is grounds for optimism. I'm, uh, I've been like this now. I've been feeling this way since we've got that vaccine news. It looks rigid, Dig. Uh, it's going to get rolled out. We saw a couple of headlines today talking mm-hmm. about uh, being rolled out in the United States by late December. So uh, let's, uh, let's finally go and... No, celebrate things for being good for a change. Phil Lowe was speaking today in front of a parliamentary um, inquiry and he said that it looks like international travel won't be back to normal until the end of 2021, but he's cautiously optimistic on uh, the Australian economy. He had a very understated reaction to the uh, the GDP read, which I think um, is fair call. He said it was good. Uh, when that breaking news was handed to him. Hamming it up for the media, isn't he? He always does that. The governor loves to go and uh, steal the headlines. Okay, um, so uh, I I had mentioned that chat with Angus Geddes there about Japan. Uh, He talks about Japan in an interview that's accessible via the show notes. And also an Australian-linked company to that Japanese story. It's been going for a while. So that's one that you could take a listen to. Also, I know a lot of our listeners... I really appreciate a view from June Lu from Tribeca Investment Partners. Well, we spoke with her today in part of our Three Stocks Four series, and she's given us a bunch of foodie stocks for the summer because it's another thing, Scotty. feels like summer, doesn't it? One of them involves buying the dip, but I'm not going to tell you which company. All right. Well, that's how you tease things. Good one. Okay, so that's accessible via the show notes as well. Uh, Listen, otherwise today, it was a pretty lackluster day at an index level, so we saw, you know, very slight gains for the Chi X200 and the XJO. Come on, it was flat. It was flat. But it still we still did have green behind us on the close. Um, listen, you know, it's the uh, second day of December only. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the U.S. tonight. We do have some commentary coming from the Fed Chair Jay Powell again, another Fed Speaker Williams. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how base commodities and oil go in particular. Yes, uh, herding cats, OPEC plus, uh, let's try and get a consensus there. So there'll be nothing tonight. Uh, the, uh, the cartel is, uh, and its allies are still trying to work through their differences when it comes to production levels early next year. Uh, but all things being equal, I think the disagreements are really about uh, the length of uh, know, how long the production should be left at current levels rather than uh, adding an additional two million barrels per day, as was originally slated by the, end of the, by the start of the year, I should say. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. But yeah, it's so key. A lot of people, you know, that cyclical trade, the uh, the recovery trade, uh, a lot of commodities have already run very hard. So you've got to be pretty selective in uh, in which ones to go. Of course, we've seen iron ores at six-year highs, coppers at seven-year highs. Uh, how much farther they've got to run? Well, of course, it probably leads to how much stimulus spending we get and how quickly we can roll out vaccines. But copper doing well, aluminium doing well. We saw gold prices finishing higher through the overnight period, and that was as we saw the U.S. dollar weakening. In fact, the U.S. dollar index fell 0.6% to a fresh two-year low. That is a little bit of an intro into our stock of the day, which is Oceanic Gold. Uh, Yeah, let's take a listen to what our expert guests had to say about OCG. And we will begin by hearing from Michael Wayne from Medallion Financial. 
We prefer Australian-based gold miners um, that produce in Australian dollars, sell in US dollars, that way they benefit from currency factors. Uh, often the, the geographical risk is less as well when you're operating in Australia, but looking at Oceania Gold, it's had a pretty torrid time over five years, a period where if you look at most charts for most decent quality gold miners have performed unbelievably well. I think if you are looking to invest in a gold company, there might be some value here to be unlocked, but I think you're also overcomplicating your exposure in many right. ways because we do have a number of good quality gold producers in this country. So our preferences have been for Northern Star Saracens. Yep. Um, we have actually been exiting those over the last sort of couple of months um, as the global economy seems to be bouncing back. I think really the positive that comes out of today's announcement is that um, if they get this project up and running, they believe that uh, it will provide gold of lower all-in sustaining costs, which of course reduces risk in the company because the lower that sustaining cost is, the more likely that the company will remain profitable even in a scenario where the gold price goes down. So that reduces just the risk of holding holding the stock. Having said that, of course, um, there's a lot that can go wrong in a big expansion project. Um, generally speaking, gold miners aren't something that I invest in, so I'd steer clear of it. But this one sort of seems that seems okay for that category. And that was Claude Walker finishing the thoughts on Oceana Gold from A Rich Life. So that is not making it into the portfolio as you just listened to. Uh, Oceana Gold, though, was on the move today. Also on the move today, AUB Group. It got a uh, price target lifted 3% by Macquarie in the wake of a, a bit of a deal that was done in the previous session. It is acquiring 360 underwriting solutions and uh, the market liking that move coming through from Macquarie. Um, we talked about Copper, Oz Minerals was a performer today, BHP, and uh, Sandfire Resources once again. Star Entertainment Group also having a pretty good day. We've got state borders opening and... I didn't tell you, but families making plans accordingly. So in the wake of that move from the state uh, government in WA, we've got some family now coming for Christmas. There you go. It's fantastic. It is fantastic. Really, really pleased about that. On the other side of things, CSL um, down by one, one and a quarter percent today. So that helped weigh on the market. New Farm was down, car sales was down, and Telstra, uh, some of the underperformers there. So that's wrapping up equities. I think um, worthwhile just mentioning we do get jobless claims out in the U.S. tonight. We also got that ADP uh, report and that will take us, sorry, jobless claims is Thursday, apologies, but we um, will start to get sort of this jobs conversation going in a more meaningful way ahead of the non-farm payroll report on Friday. A little bit of a breakdown in um, the expectations in, around the employment market in the U.S. with these, you know, rolling lockdowns happening. Yeah, it's uh, it's tricky to get a gauge as to what's actually going on, uh, and I'm not sure that uh, even the official jobs report is is truly giving you an accurate picture of what's happening. But uh, the ADP people will look to it. it. We know it's notoriously volatile and doesn't always go move in the same direction or the same magnitude, especially when it comes to uh, the, the non-farm payrolls report. But we saw in the ISM uh, manufacturing uh, PMI out of the US overnight that uh, the employment sub index there went backwards. Now, that's not a great news. We'll get the services uh, ISM coming out uh, tomorrow night. All eyes on that as well. We'll also get the claims then, of course, ahead of, our job, ahead of the payroll support on Friday. So lots of uh, labor market data to go and digest in the United States. Very key when it comes to uh, no, not only uh, monetary policy settings from the Fed and the likelihood of additional stimulus, but you know, 
urgency from uh, from policymakers on Capitol Hill to get their ass into gear and uh, and do something uh, rather than uh, bicker about the size of a stimulus package. Trade balance due here tomorrow at 11.30. Really interesting uh, reading an article in the Wall Street Journal just talking about global trade really being led by China, rebounding much more quickly uh, you know, through this pandemic, as we emerge from this pandemic, then in the aftermath of the global financial crisis, the GFC, worth a read if you have the time. Um, and of course, in Australia, we talk about our, our our experts of iron ore into China, just turning a blind eye for the moment to um, some of the geopolitical risk that is going on there. And speaking of China, we get a, a private services read on um, coming through from market economics, the PMI, so the services Taishin PMI from China at 1245. And that's really interesting, good one, especially if you tie it back to what you're talking about here in Australia, Scotty, you know, uh, services-led recovery. We still have a lot of hopes for the Chinese consumer. Yeah, I know that uh, a lot of people associate China with being a manufacturing giant. Look, it is still the biggest manufacturer in the world, but we need to start taking, I don't know, grasping the idea that services side of the economy is now far larger uh it still gets absolutely no attention like no i'm surprised that so many times the markets will still react to the manufacturing yeah. ingredients but not the other services i know maybe the uh the flow on effects uh the multiplier is not as quite as high when it comes to services but at the same time it's like seriously we've got to start paying attention so i'll be watching when it comes out at twelve forty-five tomorrow nine o'clock a.m we have a reimagining china panel with zach Riaz from benin tree investment and james whalen from vfs group looking forward to that one You're, you'll be doing that I'll one i'll kick it off my day so that'd be a great way to start it yeah and and then, um, just keeping with the theme, we'll be speaking with Tony Badaglin. He's CEO of the Australian Grape and Wine. They met with the Federal Agricultural and Trade Ministers today. So we'll find out what came from that meeting from him. The call is always a cracker. Henry Jennings from Marcus Today, Andrew Veitlin from DP Wealth Advisory. They get along really well. As far as the dynamic goes, whether or not they agree on all of the companies that are raised, well, that is what you need to tune in for. Uh, and a little bit later in the day, we speak with a gold miner, Chalice Gold, emerging from its trading halt. Look, a guest flagged this company with me last week, so I'm curious to see what's going on there lately. So yet another action-packed day, a Thursday. Looking Ta-da. forward to it. Yeah, so uh, what else can I say? I guess just have a good evening, afternoon, morning, whenever it is you're listening to this one. And we, uh, we look forward to seeing you for the live stream live from 8.30 a.m. on Thursday, December the 3rd. Bring it on. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.